2: 31. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm joined by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight we've got Stacey, we've got Alex, and we've got Beck uh, to talk all things NFL. And guys, the question I've got for you off the top is, okay, it's pressure time, you're in the draft room, you can't pick a quarterback, it's the first round, what position are you going to Are you going to pick in this first round? What is your, what is your preference? What position are you sort of looking at? Uh, Alex, um, yeah, going to go to you to start with. Um, for
3: me, I got to go with wide receiver. I think, I think that is an underrated position that requires probably a lot more skill than people give it credit for. Um, but also requires kind of like a good relationship with the quarterback. And what I kind of like Now that we're moving forward and you're seeing that maybe the last year or two is these quarterbacks have been drafted in the next year, they draft the same receivers from same colleges. So they keep that kind of relationship going in the NFL. And I think we've seen that in the Bengals and we've seen that in Miami and we've seen that in uh, Philadelphia. So I kind of like that idea of, you know, keeping picking a wide receiver that used to play for your young quarterback that you have. So for that, I'm going to go wide receiver and maybe Chris Olave to the Bears.
2: It's, uh, look at it. Yeah. You, you talk about that strategy of, uh, you know, pairing the the college uh, players and bringing them through into the NFL it definitely makes a lot of sense look for me if I can't pick a quarterback the first thing I'm doing is I'm protecting the quarterback so for me it's that left tackle position it still amazes me where you see week in week out that the teams continue to rotate through that position and it's just creating chaos for the quarterback so for me um, you know unless you've got you know a Hall of Fame quality left tackle you should always be looking at that position and usually there's often one or two star players in the draft so for me it's left tackle uh, Beck.
1: Yeah, I love that Barker just keeps putting it out there for the Bears to draft Chris Alave. Like, I think if you keep saying it, they might actually do it. Uh, But for me, I'm looking at a well-rounded defensive end. I'm looking at a player who's going to be able to pass rush, put pressure on the quarterback, make him question his throws, you know, make him throw intercepts with that pressure, a couple of deflections whatever, um, and then also someone who's going to be able to um, outside contain on-run plays as well. That de- defensive end position I think is key to disrupting offences and that's what you want to do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So to combat my offensive line, you're going with the pass rush and, uh, yeah, look, we, we've seen it blow up uh, plenty of games this season, so it definitely makes sense. Stace, what about yourself? You're in that draft room, can't pick a quarterback, pressure's on, where are you going?
0: I'm going to the defence and I'm going for a corner. So, you know, the cornerback position, they are the smartest person on the field aside from the quarterback. They, like, sometimes they can be X wide receivers, which gives them that extra speed and that little bit of a game awareness on the other side of the ball. Um, So, if they're not getting a lot of reps um, when it comes to draft time, they change over. Um, but they also have to adapt like they've had to adapt to the new style of like the offenses that's been running in the NFL plus match up against like freak body type guys like DK Metcalf and like, you know, as far as like draft classes go like Richard Sherman, Joe Hayden, Stephon Gilmore, Josh Norman, like all up there as, as prime examples of the types of players that you want to draft to lead your defense from a secondary
2: perspective. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of.
0: And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over.
2: How about those trees?
1: A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed
2: the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best men of yeah, and this week we're going to be focusing in on the Denver Broncos. And, uh, Beck, it's been a little while since uh, Denver has had some Super Bowl success. But I, I guess the, the first question I've got for you is talk to us a little bit about this franchise. I mean, you know, p- part of the part of the problem for them is that they have struggled year on, year out. But slowly but surely... They've been taking advantage of the draft and they've been slowly building quite a good football team. But, yeah, talk to us about the depth here at Denver because, um, you know, this roster, you know, if you peel back behind some of the quarterback issues, they're they're a good football team.
1: Yeah, they definitely are. And I think we talk about this, you know, often when we talk about the Broncos, how, you know, this this one position in this quarterback is what's disrupting this entire team at the moment because you look at who they have On their offense, and they have players who have so much potential to be great and have a great season and put points on the board for them, as well as on their defense as well. Like their defense is pretty stacked too. But just since since losing, I kind of remember how long ago it was that they five
0: and a half seasons you lost.
1: Yeah, there you go, five and a half seasons, and they just haven't been able to build back up. They haven't been able to find that. One franchise quarterback, you know, they had Peyton Manning for a while who, you know, obviously went there as a comeback slash semi like back from retired, back from injury, didn't know if he was going to play well, didn't know if he was going to be any good. He come in, he took them to a couple of Super Bowls, won one and then retired and they just haven't been able to, you know, find that one long-term quarterback that's going to be there for a while.
3: I think that's a consistent see you with the Denver Broncos, right? Because you look at Don Elway, who was with the Broncos for 16 years, and he was their face, and he was a quarterback, and, you know, he was such a standout quarterback when he came in. He was probably one of the best quarterback prospects that came in at that time. So to have 16 years with, with him and then kind of go, well, okay, well, what do we do now, right? And they kind of go into that slump a little bit, and then Manning's like that savior, if you will, for, for three years, and then it's kind of like, okay what do we do now? <laughs> so it's like it's like they're playing that card. It's like, oh, we played our Manning card. Okay, we don't have a Manning card to play. What do we do now? Right? So I think I think they've struggled to find that identity as far because they've had some standout quarterbacks for a while.
0: But at the same time, too, like, you know, they've had I mean, from an ownership perspective, they'd had issues. From a coaching perspective, they've had issues. So it's not solely reliant on the fact that they haven't had a franchise quarterback. They haven't managed themselves as an organization very well. Like Pat Shermer, they're saying he's awful at his job. And, I mean, I don't know if he is or not, but at the moment, like people are just – Broncos fans are frustrated and they're tired. Five and a half years of, like, wandering around aimlessly in the NFL space waiting for something to happen is not going to help them. And this season is the perfect, like, we don't even know where they are right now.
1: Yeah, it blows my mind sometimes on how some of these teams are managed because you'd think that like knowing, you know, after John Elway retired and they knew that, you know, Peyton Manning was coming off a pretty serious injury. They weren't sure how well he was going to play and how long he was going to be around for. Why are you not preparing for the next guy to come up? Why are you solely relying on this one quarterback or this one player? Why, you know, you've had the draft capital. You've had the opportunity to pick up some pretty great players in the draft and you've skipped on them. Why are you not planning for the future? Like I just I don't understand. This is, you know, you have to treat your team like a business because that's what it is. And the Broncos kind of, I don't know if they're doing that well. This is also a team
3: that took Tim Tebow Right, and thought that he was the leading quarterback in the shining light to lead them through, and we all know how that went down, right?
1: Oh, poor Timmy Tebow. Uh,
0: I mean, you know, he was a shining light there for a while. Like, let, let's be honest, he, you know, he's a man of God.
2: No, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's definitely been it's definitely been a challenging situation. They've had their they've had their attempts there uh, at getting their quarterback right. They failed time in time out, but. Um, outside of that they have been uh, they have been building outside of the quarterback position so let's let's dig into it um alex you know i, I want to start with the defense because for me that's that's the one that sort of stands out for me and and let's we got to start with the rookie patrick satan because he is one of my favorite players in the game right now and it just goes to show it doesn't matter about age or experience you can come in and dominate and you know the way in which patrick's hit hit the ground running here in denver Um, It's been very, very impressive. And for me, I I think it fits with the coach as well with with Fangio obviously he's a defensive guy. And uh, yeah, I I think there's a lot of potential there in that cornerback spot there with Pat.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been a rookie that I think he was drafted ninth in the first round. So high for, for a cornerback. I mean, this rookie has a lot of opponents to complete less than half the passes thrown his way. And he also had a great pick off Trevor Lawrence in week two. So this guy, I think, like, quietly came in. He got his opportunity, took it, and he ran with it. And he and also he, had
0: that pick six in preseason as well.
3: Yeah. So he he's probably a star kind of cornerback, I would say, for the Broncos, which has a defense which, on paper, when you look at it, for me, quietly, has the potential to be – a top tier defense, especially with the rookies that they have, right? Because they've got Pat Sertain that they drafted um, and they've got a couple others in in Baron Browning, who was a third round pick and a safety in Caden Stearns. You know, these guys are, are kind of quietly making a small impact to this team. And I think this is a good way to build your defense, right? Because I think some people kind of forget and they go out and they get the big names and it's like, no, no, no draft low get some guys that will put in the grunt work for you that will work for you that will go out there and will play their hearts out because at the end of the day they just want a shot to play doesn't matter what and I think that's kind of the beauty of the second round the third round the fourth round the seventh round if you will you're getting guys that just want to go out there and they want to play football and I think that for me if you don't have anybody in the first round that you want or it's not a position that you need leave it take it, give it to somebody else who might need a first-round pick and go get some defensive guys lower in the draft that are going to go out there and fight for you. And I think the Broncos have done that the right way in this past draft.
1: Yeah, I think this defense is highly underrated because of that fact that they don't have any big-name standout players. They're all consistently playing well as a team. Like, you look at them, they're... Fifth ranked in defense, they're eighth in passing touchdowns allowed and third in rushing touchdowns allowed. Like, they are making big stops. They are shutting teams out. Like, they are doing what they need to do on that side of the ball with what they have. It's this offense, I think, that's letting them down, unfortunately.
2: And they're doing it um, with a lot of injuries, you know. They, they've done it with most of the season without their star player in Bradley Chubb, which is really, really impressive. But, no, you're right, they're stacked. They've got Shelby Harris, Justin Simmons, Cream Jackson. Um, you know, defensively, they're, they're an out-and-out. Out. You know, they're just star-studded. But, but, Stacey, the question I've got for you then is, and, and, and you, know, I, I, you know, thinking about trying to solve the one problem that they do have, you know, we're hearing whispers that Aaron Rodgers may be looking for a club next year. If you're the Denver Broncos, surely you have to do everything in your power to try and get this guy into the club. And, you know, even, even if you do have to trade, you know, a guy like Pat Tan, you know, give up a few draft picks, if you bring Aaron Rodgers to this club, you know, sure, surely they can, they can Peyton Manning this situation.
0: Oh, I don't even, I mean, the thought of seeing Aaron Rodgers in that orange uniform just kind of makes me feel a little bit sick in the stomach. Like, and I don't think that like, I don't think Rodgers is the kind of guy that would fit in with the Broncos from a philosophy standpoint. Like I don't think that he'd bring good energy and I definitely wouldn't be giving up Pat Satane for him. I think, I mean, Again, I think it comes down to that coaching perspective. And you'd think that a a team that had someone like Peyton Manning and someone like Peyton Manning who gives so much back to the game that they could find a young quarterback and kind of sit him underneath John Elway and Peyton Manning, two of the best guys ever to do it, and go, learn, learn, and be that long-term franchise option. Like I don't think picking up Aaron Rodgers or a veteran quarterback in the interim is going to fix anything.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think you want to waste giving away some pretty key players or, you know, a few draft picks for this quarterback who's just going to be a Band-Aid. Like, he's not going to be around forever. He's not going to be your new friend. He's already been a franchise quarterback somewhere else. That doesn't happen twice. Like, he's not going to be around forever and he's just going to be a Band-Aid for this Broncos defense. And I think you need to give the fans more than that. Like, you need to give them hope. You need to give them some sort of longevity in this position. So I think they really need to... Look into you know the draft class or potential young backups that are sitting in the league getting unnoticed because they are backups behind some great quarterbacks who have potential to come in and be starters.
2: Yeah, no, I, lo- I love the debate, and this is going to be really interesting to see because for me, you know, ag- aggression wins in the NFL. You've got to be aggressive as a front office. So, you know, if they are if they are placid and they, they, they don't they don't make this move. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Or, Alex, if they do take a chance on the draft class next year, I mean, it, it's 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 throw, it's throw a dart at the dartboard, isn't it, at the moment? You know, it, it's a crap shoot in terms of the quarterbacks for next season. So you just get a sense that Denver will do that, Beck. They'll go out and they'll pick a quarterback. But, Alex, you know, how are they going to find the right quarterback next year? It's going to be really challenging.
3: Yeah, it's going to be tough, right, because we've talked about this before. Like, the, the graduating class coming out of college – or, you know, class coming out of college in the next draft class, it's not quarterback friendly, if you will. Like it's very friendly for receivers, a little bit friendly for running backs, but I don't, that's not where they need players, right? As far as they're receiving, you've got Colton Sutton, who's got 617 yards so far. You've got Tim Patrick, who just extended a three, three year. He's on another, he just extended his contract for another three years. And I think it's worth 50 million or Something like that, so it's crazy like he's getting paid, so clearly they see you know the 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 appeal in their receivers that they have, and also noah faint from a tight end perspective, he's gathered three hundred and seventy nine yards so as far as that goes, they've done well, and I think a strong suit for them is when they kind of run you know their wide receivers in like a three wide receiver group for them it it works, but I'd be looking maybe to bolster their run game a little bit more. Um, if I was them, you know, Melvin Gordon, okay, fine. He's had 522 yards, Devontae Williams, 514. But, yeah, I'd be looking to bolster that a little bit more. Maybe bring in, if you can get, like, a a, a kind of a, a big back, right, like kind of like Derrick Henry a little bit, like from like Tennessee and kind of run it that way um but yeah i'd be looking to either bolster the defense a little bit more or i'd be looking at their o-line in fact not don't worry about their defense i think the defense is good they've done one well of the draft class this past draft class and they've got veterans underneath them like kind of kyle fuller from the came over from the bears as well um so i think the defense is good their o-line i think is something that needs to be bolstered a little bit yeah i mean
0: javante williams hasn't been doing too badly but again he's not that big that big back that would add that extra element like could even look at, like, you know, a Nick Chubb kind of situation or, you know, one of those kind of big guys to kind of just take some of the brunt work. You know, a, a Ezekiel Elliott would be really, really nice, but God knows they don't come around too often. Like, but, I mean, from a – like, if we circle back to the quarterback perspective again, like, I would be interested to see how someone like Zach Wilson could potentially go in this system. Like, I'd be interested to see if that would kind of work. To be honest, like he's not getting, he's not getting what he needs at the Jets. Maybe he could fit in. Alex shaking your head way too much for me right now. He's not going to get at the Broncos. He's not getting the
3: Jets. He's not going to get at the Broncos.
2: No, it's definitely going to be interesting this whole quarterback debate because, and part of the challenge is that they've got a very defensive coach, obviously in Fangio. So, um, you know, he's obviously... You know, he's you know, I guess the Denver Broncos coach is always going to be under pressure because they have underperformed year in year out. But um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be particularly challenging given that you know the I, I guess. What what all of the other top clubs are doing is they're getting a young quarterback in, they're getting a real young offensive minded coach. Whereas the Broncos, they appear to be uh, doing everything but. So very interesting situation and one to monitor there in Denver. Stacey, straight back to you though. Um, considering a record for this team, they're kind of in and around five hundred at the moment. That's typically been where they've been at the last few seasons. You know, obviously we've got the additional game now. We've got seventeen games. But yeah, what are you thinking as a record for Denver?
0: Oh, I mean, what are they at? They're at five and five at the moment. I kind of think if we look at the uh, the strength in their schedule, like, I mean, it's just so hard because they're just so inconsistent across the board. Um, I mean, from a uh, who have we got coming up, we have got Chargers coming up. Mm-mm. I don't think they can take it that one. They got Chiefs. That's going to be difficult. Lions, I could probably get the win over there. Bronco, uh, the Bengals, probably not so much. So, what are we looking at here? Mm. Five, six, seven, and ten. Like I don't think they. I don't think it's. It's not looking well. I mean, a wild card potentially, but it's not looking good.
2: Yeah, look for me. uh, You know, similar thoughts. I I think they've got a couple more wins in them, so I think they're going to win seven uh, this year, and they're going to finish off with ten losses. So I think that puts Fangio in a lot of trouble. Go out, get yourself an offensive-minded young coach and, again, sort out this quarterback position. Uh, Beck, thoughts on this one?
1: Um, Similar path to you guys, but I'm going to just one-up it. I think they have potentially three more wins in their season, so I think they're going to go eight and nine. And Alex?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go seven and ten. I think they've got a back end of the season that's going to be difficult, but a back end of the season that could surprise some people, you know, but I don't think enough where they're, you know, going to have – kind of you know turn it to a winning one so for me it's seven i mean
0: they're, they're coming up i mean chiefs twice charges twice like that's not looking good i think they could get up against the raiders i think that'd be an interesting little upset
1: raiders okay. lions and bengals all three of those games could go either way
0: yeah i agree
2: all right guys let's jump into our next segment for tonight the match the most
1: anticipated match in history ladies and gentlemen Let's get ready to rumble.
2: Yeah, and this week on the match, well, we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going back to special teams, in particular the kickers. Uh, Beck, I'm going to throw this one straight at you because this is an interesting clash tonight. We've got Young Waku coming up against Crosby from Green Bay. Uh, you know, this is a this is an interesting one. This is for the NFL purists out there. But again, you talk about a position that is undervalued in the game. Talk us through it. it, it it's unbelievable. Um, let's start with Koo. Undrafted, it, it's unbelievable the uh, how the NFL deals with this position group, given they are so influential within games.
1: Yeah, I think we've mentioned it a few times on, you know, about special teams and how important it is to have a good kicker who you can rely on to kick that field goal or get that extra point because some games come down to one or two points and if your kicker isn't making that, that kick, I mean, I'm saying kick a lot. If your kicker doesn't make that kick, then you're losing that game. So you really want someone that you can rely on, someone who is, you know, 100% kicking that goal. And, I mean, when you match these two guys, like we're looking at Koo, who's he's only been, he's quite young. He's only been around for, you know, three or four years. Um, he had a bit of an interesting start, a bit of a rough start. Um, when he first come in undrafted with the Chargers, he He only played, I think, a couple of games over there, um, was kicking at about 50% rating. I don't think he was doing very well. And then he disappeared for a year in 2018 and then come back and signed with the Falcons and hasn't looked back because he's been been pretty clutch for them. Like this year on his own, he's 100% kicking for extra points. He has not missed an extra point all year.
2: Alex, you know, I guess that the kicking situation in the NFL is really, really interesting because – there are no, uh, you know, you, you talk about all the quarterback camps, you know, and, and all the flag football and obviously all of the the junior pathways that are available there for the game. There, there's not that for kickers. You know, you you look at the backgrounds of these guys and they're old soccer players. You know, someone saw them kick a ball down the field once and they thought, hey, you know, come down and, and, and trial with a, a billion-dollar franchise. It's just unbelievable some of the backgrounds of these players. But to Beck's point, you know, Koo's got a pretty interesting, interesting one. But, Alex... Talk to us a little bit about, you know, you see some kickers and they'll stay with a team for 15, 20 years. But actually, what's more common is a kicker, a team will go through four, five, six, seven kickers within a few-year period. It's just, again, very interesting situation. But, um, yeah, talk to us about Koo. And, yeah, he certainly um, had a a difficult journey but uh, found himself a home there at Atlanta.
3: Yeah, he's definitely found himself a home in Atlanta. And I think when we talk about the Falcons, right, we've always talked about the Falcons They don't scream like flashy offense, right? So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, a kicker be like the face of their offense, if you will, because I feel like he saved the Falcons in a couple games this season, right? Like if it wasn't for him and him being consistent and what, like said, 100% right now for the season um,
1: or close to that. Extra points, but he's only missed two field goals as well. So he's missed two kicks all year.
3: So, I mean, that's that's an impressive feat. I mean, his longest is a 54-yard kick. In his career, his 63 for 71. So that's you know, around 88%. So that's pretty impressive. And I think what's hard too, especially with young guys, is that consistency in that kicking spot, which I think is an underrated kind of part of it. Because like, and as a bears fan, I can say this because it's been a it's been a thorn in our side for many, many years before Carlos Santos, but that kicker has to be consistent. Like when you need that field goal made, and it is like 57 yards, and you need him to kick it and he misses, or he shanks it to the left. Like, it's just as a franchise watching it, especially if you're going to, I don't know, say a wild card game, or it is a wild card game and you lose, like, it's just tough. So, I think it's like, and then you get everyone that's like, well, we could make the kick and they, you know, go put it up in the city and like people can't do it. So, I think it is probably one of the most underrated positions in the NFL because it does take some skill because. Not the average Joe Schmo can go out there and kick a 58-yard field goal when it's counting down.
0: (laughs) And I just find it hilarious, like, from, you know, the kicker is not, you know the most beloved position uh, on the football field. But like the types of guys that they have playing that kicker role, like you look at Blankenship, like the dude wears glasses. He's my favorite because like that meme of him standing next to DK Metcalf, it's like these two dudes play the same game. Like I don't think there's any other sport in the world where you could have someone who looks as nerdy as Blankenship like winning and coup. I mean, you know, he's Korean, you know, he's the first Korean to ever play in the league. Like, come on, like that that's props. And it goes to show that, you know, kickers can come from anywhere and be super surprising.
1: Yeah. And I feel like when you look at this position as well, not only do they have to be good, but they also have to be really poised and really calm because all the pressure is on them in that moment right? It's coming down to the last second, the last play, you know, the defense are like coming at you as hard as they can. The crowd is a factor, you know, and then there's the fact that, you know, the opposite team can call a timeout to freeze you out. You're in the moment and then you're not anymore. Like, so you have to really be able to find someone who can keep their calm and be consistent with these kicks at the same time.
2: Yeah, and if you look at these teams that sort of, you know, burn through their kickers, you know, go through four, five, six, seven kickers over a few year periods, it's because, you know, every kicker will go through a period of the ips, you know, and I guess it's just something that, you know, hits players, you know, in, in, in all sports. It's something that's not really understood, but it definitely hits kickers. And some of the best kickers in the game have certainly gone through periods of it and it's just you know it's just interesting to see whether an NFL franchise can sort of hold their nerve and stick with that player but typically the answer is no because to Alex's point if you're going to lose a playoff game it's uh yeah well anyway that kicker's not very popular in the locker room all right well let's turn it over now to his competitor tonight and we're going to be looking at Mason Crosby who has had a pretty successful career there at in Green Bay Stacey I'm going to throw this one to you my first question is around age and kickers once you do find a quality kicker, you are chaining him to the franchise. You're keeping him there for as long as possible. Um, Mason's 37. My question to you is, how long can kickers kick in the NFL?
0: Oh, I mean, as long as their leg holds up, really. I mean, if you look back to the history of kickers in the NFL, like, uh, you know, the longest field goal was kicked by a dude who lost his foot and had a replacement foot, um, like the club club of his boot, and like that's how he got the record for the the longest field goal prior to Justin Tucker beating that one. But in terms of like you know being thirty seven from Mason Crosby, he's been with the with the Packers for fifteen years, like. He's kind of like the Tom Brady of kickers, I guess. I mean, but then you've got, you know, Greg Zerline and and a whole bunch of those guys that's just retired, you know, the white white coming through their helmets and all that sort of stuff, balding, like it's just a fascinating position. So I think that you could probably kick for as long as, you know, you look after your body. And given the fact that, you know, Crosby's made one tackle this year, um, you know, they don't get touched. There's rules that protect them. So they could potentially play until who knows when.
2: Yes, and, and Alex, I guess, you know, if he connects him with, with Tom Brady and gets the, the TV12 method going, you know, the bands and the stretching and the, and the diet, maybe maybe we see our first you know 50-year-old kicker there in the NFL. But talk to us a little bit about Mason. He's had a remarkable uh, career uh, there in Green Bay. And one of the things I do want to touch on is there's kicking in a dome and then there's kicking outside. Talk to us a little bit about the Green Bay situation because, yeah, it certainly brings about its own challenges.
3: I can't imagine kicking in Lambeau Field. Like I feel like that is probably one of the hardest fields to be a kicker at, just because you're open to the elements. In the middle of winter, it's going to be freezing. You get the wind off the lakes, and it's just cold and like I I I mean the frozen
0: tundra, right? Like
3: yeah, yeah, like it's just it's. I feel like it's one of the hardest places to kick. Because I feel like Lambeau Field would just be like an absolute wind tunnel, right? When you're trying to, trying to kick that ball and the wind's blowing. But, I mean, Crosby's been a thorn in the side of the Bears for I don't know how long, right? In the years as he's been playing with the Packers. He's got one thousand six hundred eighty-two career points, ranks number one in all-time franchise scoring list. You know, he's number 20 in NFL history and scoring. You know, this guy's impressive, but, I mean, that's what you get when you've played in 224 straight games. Right. Like he's been around and he hasn't missed a game. So props to him and his, you know, if he is doing the band workout like Brady, good on him. Right. Clearly it's working for him. <laughs> you know, and he's kicked the eight longest field goals of franchise history. He's got a 58 yarder. He's got a 50, multi, 57 yarder, multiple 56 yarders and 55 yarders. Like this is a guy that the Packers can kind of depend on. But I think what's interesting right now is like Crosby's in a little bit of a slump right right now for the Packers he's kind of gone out there and when you look at the Packers losses this past season in, in 2021 it has come down to Crosby and it has come down to special teams but he's also had seasons like that before and I think it was maybe 2017 was the last time he kind of went in through this in this slump but I feel like he's been with the Packers so long Packs, like yeah he's just he just got some rust
2: yeah, it's just like gonna...
3: probably just a tight hammy you know that's probably all it was and you know he'll bounce back like they just it doesn't seem to bother them you know the way it would probably like other franchises of kickers. they're like it's all right Crosby's just having an off week he'll bounce back next week like it's fine so like they trust him they know he's consistent for them so yeah I could definitely see Crosby kicking until he was into his 50s for sure
2: And no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. We've got to pick a winner here. So, Alex, straight back at you. Um, You know, a bit of an interesting situation given the form of both of these players, but where are you going here?
3: I'll deny this if you tell anybody, but I'm going with Crosby from the Packers.
2: (laughs) Well, fortunately, uh, yeah, this this podcast isn't being recorded and streamed out to the world, out to the universe. Uh, Stacey, what about yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go Crosby as well. I mean, the guy's just clutch. Uh, yeah, he's allowed to have the yips. Everyone, it happens to everybody. So, yeah, just dust it off, get back out there, and, and he'll, uh, he'll at least guarantee you some points.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Koo here. I just think that, uh, yeah, he's, he's in fine form at the moment, and, you know, he's got age on his side. He's still got, you know, he's only 27 years of age, and, yeah, just uh, he's really found um, he's really found that next gear in his career. So I'm going to go with Koo at the moment. Uh, Beck.
1: Yeah, I'm going with you, Dan. I'm picking Koo. When you look at his last three years of stats and then compare them with Crosby's first three years of stats, you know, Koo is the better kicker. He might not have the record for the longest kick, but I think his consistency and his ability to make those clutch kicks when it counts is um, right on point for the Falcons.
2: All right, guys, and let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And hey,
3: we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things.
2: What you need to know tonight. It's your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the
1: air again soon. Oh, so okay, isn't the show, we are oh my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you need.
2: Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, the question I've got for you guys is, well, you know, we, we've seen some of the crazy results in the competition at the moment, but who has the best offense in the league? Uh, Beck, I'm going to throw it to you.
1: I am going with the Cowboys. Now, they might not be ranked at the top, but I feel like when you look at this offense across the board, they are stacked, right? So their O-line to begin with is ranked number one in the league at the moment. They've let in nine sacks over 20, 226 dropbacks. So that in itself is a pretty impressive stat. And then the quarterback that they're protecting back there, Dak Prescott is having a pretty great year as well as, you know, these two running backs in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are, you know, great as well. And then when we go outside of the tackle box to this receiving core who are also pretty stacked without injuries, um, Uh, you know, pretty unstoppable. So, like, when you put all those pieces together and compare it to everyone else, I think overall this offence is winning.
2: And, Stacey, what about yourself?
0: Yeah, for me, you know, offence, the question is, it can be taken a couple of ways. And my perspective is the best offense in the league is one that is successful schematically. And for that, I like the Chiefs and Andy Reid just because – Yes, they're stacked with talent, but the way that they use that talent is really interesting. You know, if you look a lot of you know, at their at their passing game, like they typically use like an over-under mesh style concept. And, and I've said it before, you know, they draw all the attention to Hill and have Travis Kelsey just bump out underneath there and make those big yards or they use it the other way around. But it's not just those two guys, like it's McCall Hardman, it's all the other, um, you know, the threats that they've got on the offense too. You know, and the fact that they run a lot of like run-pass option puts defense in, you know, in in conflict a lot of the time. Um, But then, you know, they also, they do it, like it's it's simple, like it's a simple styled offence, but the way that they use their pre-snap motions and their shifts is like window dressing. Like, I just love the fact that it's so simple when you look at it at a base level and the way that they use the personnel and then just, you know, the tip of the iceberg with the creativity from Andy Reid is just really impressive.
2: Yeah, and look, for me, I, I just like, uh, you know, when, when I look at the offence, you know, what I'm looking for is, we need to take some pressure off the quarterback. Yes, this is a quarterback-driven league, but let's take some pressure off them. So for me, the best wide receiver and running back combination in the league at the moment, believe it or not, is the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, they're out-and-out superstars. And, you know, you, you project them out you know, as to the plays they're going to be over the next year or two. They are they are unbelievable. A little bit patchy. They definitely start the season every year. They start the season slow. Both of those players do, but they're certainly starting to find some form now, and they they're... they're They're quite unstoppable. Yeah, the quarterback, you know, he could be a little bit better from time to time, but uh, I'm going to go with that little duo there as one of the most interesting um, offenses at the moment. Um, Alex, what about yourself?
3: Yeah, I think for me, it's when you look at an offense, you look at, okay, if that if the key players weren't in there, can they still hold their own? And I think for me it's got to be the Arizona Cardinals. And I think what's been great to see with the Arizona Cardinals at least in the last couple of years, you know when you have the likes of the quarterback in Calamari where he does move around a lot, he was a little mobile in his first couple of years and you kind of go, okay, okay cool, they've got a running quarterback. He's kind of developed this past year and he's gone into like he'll run when he wants to but he can throw when he wants to and has the receivers to catch the ball for him. So I think they've got threats, you know, uh, everywhere, right? They've got receivers in, in, in Kirk and green and Deandre Hopkins, who was a great pickup for them, I think, and Zach Ertz who's been a good feed in for the last couple of weeks. So I think they've got a good solid kind of first string of receivers, but also like their second string is pretty good too. And I think what's good about Arizona is that when that first, when whoever's in that position, when that first string goes down, that second string is going to step up and there isn't really a drop off. And I think that's what makes a good offense good, right? You don't necessarily need to be the best, technically put up the best yards, but if you can consistently put up numbers, consistently put up plays, have a run game, have an offensive game, have a quarterback that can do both and then have a second tier that is just as good as your first so that that level stays consistent. I think that's what makes him a strong offense.
2: All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel talking all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you did, please download the podcast, uh, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then.